0: Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Happy New Year. How many just had a wonderful Christmas? Three of you had a wonderful Christmas. And, and we're already into the new year. You've heard a lot about that already this morning and in, in all of the service. Powerful worship. God's presence is here, guys. Um, but it can be a blur, can it? I mean, I, I can faintly remember Light the Night, I can faintly remember our Christmas Eve service. It was just like it's like a blur. We just move through those things quickly. My my wife and I, when our grandchildren were here over the holidays, took them to Christmas Town. If you've been to Christmas Town, it's wonderful. It's glorious. Um, it's it's wonderful. But you get there and you immediately find yourself among the masses uh, with children who decided they don't want to walk anymore. So maybe you are lucky enough to get a, a double seated stroller which is sort of like trying to push a dump truck um, through masses. There's just no room. And so you find yourself, not you, I found myself pushing this cart up and down these little hills, trying to dodge other people in wheelchairs. I'm going to sound mean here for a second. Trying to dodge people in wheelchairs. Trying, trying to make progress. Because once we got there, we really weren't there to see the lights. There were about two rides the kids wanted to go on. So our goal was to get to this ride and to this ride through all those people. And there just becomes a point where not only, and I just really got a sort of a revelation that Christmas town. because as we were walking through and trying to dodge people, you can't enjoy the scenery, you're dodging people. You can't really enjoy the things around you because you're trying to make sure you don't lose the people with you. There's nothing wrong with that, except uh, we found ourselves getting back in the van, driving home, almost frustrated. Almost, that wasn't fun. And here's all I'm saying. If we're not careful, we can try to go into a new year, 2020 vision for the rest of your life. We're praying for vision while we're frustrated. We're praying for vision and we don't even realize what we've been walking through. We don't realize the beauty or even the the danger. It wasn't until after I got home that my wife told me, my daughter said, Dad almost hit a person on crutches. Hey, when you're slow, you're slow. You I was just going with the masses, right? You get caught up in things. I want us to to talk about a, a... powerful subject today because as we enter into the series 2020 vision for the rest of your life i'll be honest with you when i when, when we started talking about this several months ago the idea and even sitting here listening today it would be easy to say 2020 vision for the rest of my life okay whatever i just need to get through the month vision for the rest of my life come on pastor you don't know what i'm going through that's why we're doing this series We're we're focusing on prayer and fasting for January because you can forget vision without prayer and fasting. You really don't need a vision for the rest of your life without prayer and fasting because, quite honestly, the vision you've had for your life hasn't worked. So it's more important for us to just, let's slow down and focus on what that really looks like. It's already been referenced this morning, but quite honestly, when I look back at my life, and I just want to ask you, what was 2019 like, uh, 2019 like for you? Okay. Good witness right there. And, and honestly, uh, just for me personally, and, and this is not about being transparent necessarily, I don't, we don't have to go into the details, but I, I have lived this last year under the greatest spiritual attack in my life. Maybe one other time I can measure it. So, and, and it wasn't that I felt like I was attacked personally. It's just that helping people. I could see Satan just moving on every front. And even when we started this series um, on Nehemiah back in the middle of the summer, or September, I, I, I told the staff, I'm going to try to wrap up the Nehemiah series in about three minutes this morning. I know that's not fair because we're starting another series, but I've got to tell you this. As we started Nehemiah, I can't tell you the amount of people who have been coming to me and saying, wow, man, yeah, God's dealing with me, God's dealing with me, God's dealing with me. And don't raise your hands, but if we're honest with ourselves sometimes, we get used to the feeling of God dealing with us, but never going past it. So we we become wonderfully comfortable being stirred, but never changed. So <clears throat> I found myself walking through this process and walking through individuals and walking through circumstances that I just see I see brokenness, I see pain, I see suffering, I see, I see frustration. And I, I, I found myself crying out to God and saying, God, what, what is the answer? What what do we need to be doing differently? And, and here it was, this is deep, you ready? He said, you've got to take prayer to the next level. He said, you've got to take prayer and the church has got to take prayer to the next level. And so this is not a judgment on any of us this morning. It's wherever you are, it's next level. Uh, you may be a, a powerful prayer warrior. It's, it's still next level. Um, you may be a beginner and one minute a day is a powerful a powerful uh, record. And again, no judgment, but listen, I think if we really did a hard survey, 1 minute a day might be the average. Now, I'm saying that because um, in about 2 weeks, you know, I'm talking about purpose of prayer today, next week Pastor Corey's is going to talk about the purpose of fasting. But then we're going to launch into and I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 11 in just a moment. So if you have your Bibles or your pads, your phones, uh, Luke chapter 11, but then um, somehow tag Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to go there in a few minutes. But God's really been pressing in on me. Uh, you you got to pray. And I said, But Lord, I, I pray. He said, No, really, you don't. And I said, But I do. He said, No, you, you, you're gripe, those are griping sessions, John. Those are venting sessions. You vent, you read the word, and then you vent. Lord, fix them and fix this and fix that. And this is broken and that is broken. In Jesus' name, He said, "We haven't talked in a long time. You haven't, you haven't come beside me in a long time." And so I go to this very simple scripture in Luke chapter eleven, and just let's just be very simple and foundational this morning, but it simply says this, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And can I just throw this out there? If Jesus prayed, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Without Him, nothing was made. If Jesus was in the beginning with God and was God, And God spoke the worlds into existence. If Jesus had to pray, my brothers and sisters, you and I have to pray. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, you get that? When you pray, not if you pray, not when you feel like praying, But when you pray, I've just got to stop here and say this. We are literally sitting in the first week, and I know it's New Year's. Um, I've been preaching for probably, some would say too long, but I've been preaching for probably 30 years. And and I say that because I've heard every New Year's Day sermon you can imagine. This cannot be another rah-rah-ree 2020, let's get some money. It can't be. It can't be about that. It can't. You see, because the spiritual dynamics are very, very real. And I promise you, everyone sitting in this room, whatever it is you're facing, I'm telling you, your life can be changed, your life can be turned around, your circumstances can be turned around. But it's not if God can, it's if you will. He's already answered the, the call that he received, he died on the cross. We sang about it this morning. And for some of us, prayer is as simple as answering the call. When he calls our name, we come out of that grave. We spend time in relationship with him. My, my challenge was, when I called out to God, he was saying, John, you still have one foot in the grave. You're not, really, you're not really coming out and being with me like I need you to be. You're not really walking like you need me to be. And I'm just saying that to challenge you. If if we really embrace the simplicity of what I'm talking about this morning, I'm telling you, you're going to experience revival in your life. Dead things are going to live again, and you don't have to wait till Easter Sunday. God is alive and well, and he is calling us this morning. So he says, when you pray, say. Now in Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're really going to stay in, in the next few weeks. And I'm not even going to quote the Lord's Prayer to you this morning. Matthew 6, he says it like this, um, when you pray, pray like this. And then he gives us powerful pattern, a powerful outline of prayer. Many of you may have it memorized, but we're going to walk through that over the next several weeks through January. And by the end of January, we're praying through that on Sunday nights also. I want us all cumulatively as a church to have that memorized, not just so we can say it. Most of us who have it memorized, we know how to just blurt it out. And again, true confessions. I, I told the staff this this week. Because I've really been practicing this and I've really been praying through this. And, and, and as God, and please, I, I know it may sound like I have some weird conversations with God, but He'll speak to me. And I've been praying and I said, Lord, I've got this prayer thing down. And as I've been praying through the Lord's Prayer, he just said, okay, pray. And I said, okay. Our Father who art in heaven. Something would make a noise over here and get my attention. Do you know it took me about eight times to get through the Lord's Prayer? Because I have it so memorized that I just blurt it out. But, but if I stop to think about what it says a minute, I get distracted. And then I realized how how distracted, how easily distracted I am, and how easily things get my attention, and now I'm no longer, I'm on my knees, but not in his presence. I'm driving down the car. I'm driving down the road in the car. I might be worshiping, but my mind's a thousand miles away. That's why Jesus even said, they, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are, are far from me. So, so when he says, when you pray, pray like this, and, he gives us this outline. Now, why is that important? Well, it, it's not if, but when we pray. So there's just two simple things I want us to see about prayer this morning. It's very simple. You ready? Number one, we must take it seriously. If, if I can get you to do anything this morning is to take praying with God, praying to God seriously. One of the things about Nehemiah that we, we talked about was the powerful way that Nehemiah prayed and fasted and Spent a great deal of time, and God gave him favor with the king. God gave him favor. He had to work. It was not easy. He had to battle. It was not easy, but he built the wall. And he stayed there for many years and and governed, and it was a powerful time of, of, of his ministry. But then he went back, and if you go to chapter 13, and we're not going there today, I'm just closing this out real quick. This is the quickest closing you'll ever hear any pastor do. Chapter 13, basically, Nehemiah comes back to visit, And he gets ticked off. Because everything is back to the way it was. Temple's in disarray. Priests are out of control. People are all doing whatever they want to do, when they want to do it. Nobody's putting God first. And he literally gets mad. And he, he simply has two little prayers that he prays. The first part of 13, he says, please God. Think highly of what I'm doing. Be pleased with what I'm doing. And then the end of that chapter is that same simple prayer. Please, God, think highly of what I've done. Because here's what he did. He went in the temple, and Tobiah, if you remember Tobiah from our series, he was constantly a thorn in Nehemiah's flesh. He had moved into the temple. He went in and took all of his furniture and threw it out in the street. Kicked him out physically. That doesn't sound very Christian. Um, we're going to talk about it in a moment. Because you can't, you can't lovingly Christianize sin. you got to be able to get rid of it. Then he pulls the people together and he says, listen, you've got to straighten up. He, he, he doesn't scold them, but he gets very firm with them. And he says, listen, you can't keep living like you're living. It doesn't work doesn't work now here's what i have found and then here's the thing nehemiah is over done wasn't that the greatest closing to a series you've ever experienced but here's what happens It, it sort of closes like this lord i've done my best the rest is up to them Here's the challenge. You, you can't make me serve God. I can't make you serve God. I can preach till I'm red in the face, but really, that's not like conviction. It's the Word of God. And when you leave here, you're going to have this desire to, to take that step and, and go forward with it, or you're going to choose not to. I want to just encourage you today and give you a purpose of why that's going to be important as we lead into this series. Number one, we have to take this seriously. <clears throat> We have an enemy. You really do have an enemy. Your life may have been great, and you can look back at your life, and you can see how maybe it's just up and down or cyclical. You're you're good one day, and your life is upside down the next. One week you're good, but then you fall back to that same problem over and over again. If I say anything that makes sense, amen will help. Over and over. You, You think, and you try your best and you give it your best, and you need to. But you keep seeming to run into that same issue. Why? Because the enemy doesn't come just to punch you one time. He comes to kill and destroy. Now, I, this is not a scare tactic, but you need to understand that Satan is very real. His minions are very real. Demonic activity is very real, and it wants to destroy you. You will never be tempted to worship God. You will never be tempted to do right things. On the other hand, Ephesians, Paul tells the church at Ephesus this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The reality is, if, if we could see our problem, which some of us think we do, don't we? <laughs> if we could see our problem, we'd deal with it. But your problem is not flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He says that we wrestle against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And I just want to stop there for a moment to tell you that the spiritual rulers and the authorities of evil that we're talking about are very, very real. Let me me paint it for you this way. And I mean, this is a broad subject, I know, but listen. What is that thing in your life that has control of you? What is that attitude in your life that has control of you? What is that addiction in your life? That's spiritual warfare. Now, guys, listen to me. That's spiritual warfare. I don't care if it's an addiction. I don't care if it's a habit. I don't care what it is. It's, It's spiritual warfare. How about your family? Think about that. You know, every family. You know, we all think we all have the same problems. We're human. That's the same problem. But within each family, you can see there's there's typically one, maybe two things that that family's known for. They're labeled with alcohol, drug addiction, violence, activities that are ungodly. I mean, every family. And this is not about labeling. Every family can identify something like that. Amen? You can look at cities. Cities have strongholds over them. Locations have strongholds over them. Churches can have strongholds over them. But what Paul is telling us is we don't wrestle against each other. Our our battle is not with our neighbor. Our battle is not with the, the, the governor. The battle is not with the mayor. The battle is not with your husband or wife. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare, and we have to take it real. I have to understand, and please, I've told you this before, whatever I'm preaching to you, I've lived it. I, don't, I, don't, I used to try to preach like I knew what I was talking about, but I'm very limited now. I have to live it first. So when I tell you that, that when my wife and I are struggling, and if you're married, you struggle. If you're not married, you're going to struggle. But if, if I tell you that I look at my sweet little wife who's five foot tall but very mean, <laughs> I have to back up and say, God, it's my fault. She just mirrors me. She's just a reflection She's not my problem. I'm, I'm, I'm her problem, according to her, but she's not, <laughs> she's not my problem and I'm not her problem. This is a spiritual warfare. Why? Because we're getting ready to go into a series where the people of God... I've seen, I've seen families attack too much in this church over this last year. I've seen, I've seen relationships be broken down. I've seen relationships with friends, with family, with businesses. I've seen us turn our backs on each other, even within the church. Paul is not writing to sinners when he says, you wrestle not with flesh and blood. He's writing to you and I. He's writing to the believers that we wrestle not with flesh and blood. But there's a spiritual dynamic at play that we've got to understand is real. And if I understand that it's real, I'm going to take it seriously. And I don't battle it because I stand up to Satan and I'm somebody. I battle it because I get on my knees before God. And God is the one who takes care of business. I I just want to go to Daniel chapter 10 just to to show you how that plays out real quick. And many of you know this. I know you've heard this before. But Daniel's praying. He's been praying for 21 days. He's been fasting for, for 21 days. He's been calling out to God and hasn't got an answer. How many have ever prayed and just have not got an answer? Let me just encourage you with this. He said, fear not, Daniel. This angel comes to him. He said, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. Now just let that sink in for a moment, because whatever you've been praying for, the first day you prayed, heaven started moving. The first day you prayed, God, I love you and I need you. Lord, here's the circumstance. The first day you prayed, heaven started moving. But he came and he said, I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now just that right there. I know this is Old Testament, but hold on. That right there tells me that there are demonic strongholds over nations, over states, over cities, over families, over regions, that if we don't understand that the warfare is real, we just walk around making our brokenness the new norm. And and he says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but, Michael, one of the chief princes, the archangel, came to help me For I was left there with the kings of Persia. Kings of Persia. Now, just get this picture. Michael comes because his angel is fighting the kings of Persia. But Michael the archangel comes and now he's fighting the kings of Persia. So the angel could go to Daniel. First of all, I want you all to know you have an angel. Just get ready. I know this might be a little bit different for some of you this morning. But here's who your angel is. The Prince of Peace. Oh, but pastor, I wanted my own personal. Get a grip. You have an angel. His name is Jesus. Now he may dispatch angels all in your life and you never even know it. As a matter of fact, I'll just throw this out there. In Revelations, the angels are considered those that are proclaiming the gospel of the churches. (laughs) You can call me angel. But you have have the accessibility of heaven when you pray. Again, this is not about judgment or guilt. If we limit our prayers to what we're singing on Sunday morning and the quick prayer we pray before we leave, you're not going to get it. You're not going to truly understand. If I limit my prayers like I have in the past to Peter stepping out on the boat and losing sight of Jesus and I start to sink, if that's the only time I pray, I might get Jesus' attention, but there's not going to be a deep relationship there. But if you start praying the kind of prayers that begin to get heaven busy... It's because you're spending time. And, and we're, we're going to talk about that because I know right now for some of us, it's like, how can I spend time in prayer? I'm just trying this morning to get you to understand the importance of prayer. We're going to break all this down, I promise you. The importance of prayer. The need for prayer. It, it would be as silly as this. Walking in this church, the church has electricity, the church has lights, But but understanding, you know, I know if we... Take the time to go over and flip that switch. Everything will be lit. But, you know, I just don't have time. So we choose to walk in darkness. And we choose to bump into furniture. And we choose to walk into walls. And we choose to make wrong decisions and wrong turns. And, and we, we don't think we're choosing that. But it's because we fail to just take the time to flip on that switch. Prayer. Am I making sense? Listen to what Daniel Tells us. He says in Daniel chapter ten, verses twenty. Then he said, Do you not know why I have come? But now I will return to fight against the Prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the Prince of Greece will come. There's more battle. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is no one who contends my side but by my side against this except Michael, your prince. Listen. We need to understand who we are in Jesus Christ. I love the song we sang, and we're going to sing it at the end of the service. When He called my name through Jesus Christ, I came out of that grave. I'm free. And it's it's more than just acting free. It's living in a relationship where you know who you are in Jesus Christ. It's living knowing that you can speak His name and He hears you. It's knowing that when you kneel down and when you... And that's the other thing, too. We live in a culture that we've got everything in our beck and call, that sometimes prayer is something that you only do when you're desperate. Desperate prayers count. But we also, I've learned this about us too, we also are so blessed that getting on our knees is just, it's not in style. A little too humbling. A little too submissive. And after all, we will bow to no one. Yes, you will. I, I, I want to encourage you um, to consider whose presence we are in when we worship. I can do nothing but bow. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really trying to lay some foundation today. Um, just even a few weeks ago, I was walking through the house praying and this crossed my mind about just kneeling before him. And typically I do, but I was walking and praying and, and I don't, I'm dying was out and I was just walking throughout the whole house and and son of the Lord said, I, I want you to humble yourself. So right there in the hall, I just got on my hands and knees. Why? Because even in your house all by yourself, um, he's still the king of kings and lord of lords. You're the king of the castle. but He's the king of the kingdom. And and I think sometimes we fail to understand that God, when we pray the prayer we're going to be talking about, it's His kingdom that is come, and that it's His will that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So so we it's the importance. Are you with me? It's the importance of understanding the purpose of prayer because we need to really understand how important it is. There's a battle, and it's vying for our souls. It's vying for us. It'll break down relationships, guys. We have to be willing to make a stand. How do we make a stand on your knees? Let let me show you a few more examples in the passage uh, throughout the Word, and I've got some time this morning. In Mark chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter 5, Jesus lands on the shore of Gezeret, and there's a demonic that comes out. No one can control him. No one can contain him. He's just a crazy man. Jesus begins to call the demons out. They run up to Jesus. Now listen, when a demon knows to fall down before Jesus, there's your sign. He throws himself before Jesus, and he worships. And he says, oh Lord, why are you here to torment us? And Jesus says, what is your name? And they said, Legion. For we are many. Now in the Roman context, that, that meant there was a whole unit of soldiers. Hundreds and hundreds of men. But he didn't mean necessarily that we're hundreds and hundreds of demons. He just meant that I'm full of a lot of junk. I'm full. Anybody feel like there are a lot of stuff going on in their lives that they just can't get rid of? And here's what, here's what their request was. Just don't cast us. Listen, that's how real this demonic activity is. Just don't cast us out of this country. Read it. Don't, whatever you do, Lord, don't cast us out of our location. This is where we rule. This is where we control things. Jesus cast him into the swine. Now I'm I'm saying that because I want you to understand how real the demonic activity is. Uh, Even in the book of Titus. This is very interesting. Are you with me? In the book of Titus. I'm going to start down at verse 10, Michael. Michael's our sound angel. (laughs) Verse 10 says, For there are many who are insubordinate. Now, Paul is writing to Titus on what he needs to do to deal with stuff at the church. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching shamefully, gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, and what he was saying is, I'm telling you the truth that this was one of their prophets who said this. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Now, now what is he saying there? Um, There's a bunch of junk going on. Don't be afraid, Titus, to pull them aside and say, hey, we do truth here, that's it. No more garbage. But here's what I want you to see here about spiritual warfare. One of their own prophets said that Cretans are liars and gluttons. I was telling a couple of guys this morning, that's really a racial statement if you think about it. Now think about it. Um, how would you feel in, in this culture today if it's just like a cretin? Stinking cretins. Just, you apply it like you need to. I can't stand those cretins. What's up, my cre- cretin? Get, let, let's get real for a second. You know I'm right. Um, uh, we can do it with races. Cost me trailer trash. You know that trailer trash. You know those rednecks. You know those eagles. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, here's here's my point. When you start labeling people, listen, people ask me all the time, and and we we think it's an oversimplification, but listen, people ask me all the time, Pastor, what do you think we really should do about racism? Stop being racist. Boom, right there. Get down and start praying with each other. Stop calling each other cretins. Stop labeling each other. Because here's why. When you start labeling each other, the prophet who they were quoting from lived 600 years before they existed. So something that was said about them 600 years ago, they were still practicing today. What do I mean? Whatever somebody's been calling you, that is not who you are. Whatever somebody has labeled you, that is not who you are. Even in our culture today, l- listen, we are twisted in our culture right now. Why? Because people have been allowed to label themselves or they've been labeled, and we've started believing it and allowed them, and the world is blind, and we're like, well, we don't understand why they're so blind, because we've stopped praying. You can't see the spiritual warfare taking place, but I'm telling you, the way we battle the spiritual warfare is not by protesting. You you might have to make a stand, but it's not by going out and marching against gay rights, or marching against this, or marching against gender identity, or you don't where you should be marching is on your knees. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sins and heal their land. He he goes on to tell us that um, if you don't deal with this sharply, it's going to continue. And I'm just going to stick on racism a little bit here because I do believe that's a spiritual stronghold in this area. Um, I know it's nationwide, but I also know pockets where it doesn't seem to be a problem. On the other hand, what, what would it look like if we, started, if we stopped labeling each other? And, and here's the touchy part. I, I understand this because we, we don't want to lose our identity. But see, what I, what I need you to understand is my new identity is not I used to be a redneck. I was born in Georgia, folks. Okay? Um, I, I, was, I was raised in Central Florida. I, I know how to do a lot of stupid things. Okay? And I don't mean Disneyland, stupid Florida. I mean Central Florida. Um, here's what I'm saying. The power of the Holy Spirit can change you. The power of God can deliver you. But it's, it's not, Lord, please come. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. That's a prayer. That means you've got to be spending some time praying, open my eyes. You know what will happen? When you're praying, open my eyes, and you're in God's Word, especially if we start fasting and you spend some time fasting, I promise you, you'll hear God ring you like a bell. There'll be things He brings to your attention. Yes, this is an issue. And that's when you can start to say, wow, I hate Cretans." I didn't realize I hated Cretans. i got some issues. Um, I've I, I got to deal with this. I've got to... And yeah, we'll find that small group. We'll find that grace group. But it's about... Am I making sense? And see, it, it's, it really... And I'm wrapping things up here in a minute. It really is about us being able to deal with the strongholds that we really understand are there and take it seriously. But the second point is this, and simply this. Jesus gave us the pattern. He gave us the pattern. It wasn't like, take it serious, you're on your own. He gave us the way to do it. We must take the warfare seriously, but I don't have to carry it by myself. And, and I've already mentioned this briefly. <clears throat> I just found myself in a place where, um, I, I think for me, personally, the reason my prayer life sort of shifted was I do? I, if I start carrying things on myself, I feel like I have to fix things. And then when I'm praying, God, help me fix things, I, I'm, I'm taking them to the Lord, but I'm not leaving them there. And, and so when all these different things cause anxiety in my life, I just sort of stop praying about them. Because if I pray about them, I'm reminded about them, and I just, I just get more stressed out. And I sort of leave. Prayer like this. That's not how you're supposed to lead prayer. Prayer is the exact opposite of anxiety. Be anxious for nothing but in prayer. Um, I just found myself praying, but not really surrendering it to God. First Peter tells us to do this. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. I may have shared this before, but here's how I used to cast my cares upon Jesus. Lord, here's a need. I surrender it to you. There it is, Lord. Right there. It's right there, Lord. It's Right there at your feet, Lord. It's okay, fine. If you're not going to do anything, I'll take it and I'll, I'll do something later. And instead of and listen, I'm not I'm not preaching from a pinnacle when I say this. We all do it. Lord, if you're not going to fix it on my time, I, Lord, something's got to happen. And all along, angels are fighting warfare,s all behind you that you don't understand are ha- taking place because God's always at work. And instead of just trusting Him and laying it at His feet, we take it back. Psalm 55 says, cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Now listen, He will be your strength. He will sustain you. He will never allow you to be moved. And I'm closing. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says this. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete. Listen, you are complete in Him who is the head, are you ready, of all principalities and powers. The God of all creation, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, you are completed in Him. You are filled with His Holy Spirit. And by the way, He's the prince of every principality. That's why when you pray, it doesn't matter what the battle is, you already know who's going to win. Our greatest temptation, and, and again, Emily, if you'll please come. I'm going to pray, and the team's going to come up in just a moment. Our greatest temptation is this sometimes. We've, we've tried. We've even tried to pray. We've tried to live for the Lord, but, but we fail. We do something. We say something. Something happens. We fall back into a cycle. something, And then we start beating ourselves up, and then we convince ourselves, because we've labored ourselves enough that we're like the Cretans, we're lazy and no good and we start believing a lie that's passed on from generation to generation to generation rather than right now today saying no more but pastor who am i to say no more you don't have to say no more in yourself here's how you say no more when when the demons of hell, and when Satan is telling you that you're no good, it's never gonna work, you're not worthy, you're not worth it, you're just a failure, you're a loser, you've whatever you've listened to. Here, here's, here's what I do, here's what I've learned to do. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. God, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I know there's a darkness in this kingdom, but Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I know you're going to give me everything I need. I know you're going to give me everything that I need today. You're going to meet every need in my life. I don't have to worry. I don't have to live in fear. Lord, I know that you're going to give me forgiveness as I forgive those who sin, Lord. And I know that you're going to protect me no matter what I'm walking through. Why? Because it's your power and it's your glory forever. Forever and ever, amen. And see, I just live. I live in that life cycle of prayer. Why? Because believe me, you're going to be attacked on a regular basis. But as a child of God, it's not how do we survive in (laughs) ourselves. It's crying out to our Father. And I promise you, He hears you as soon as you speak. I want us to pray. I want to pray for you. But then we're going to sing this song. And I know what time it is. We have plenty of time, actually. But I want to open up these altars for prayer. I want to give you an invitation. It's not a twisting of your arm. I just want us to start this year off by saying, God, here I am. I I never want to miss an opportunity to talk with you again. And, And yes, Lord, I'm going to pray when I'm driving down the road. But Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to find those times in the morning. I'm going to find those times during the day to spend those times with you like I really need to. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I just lift up every individual here and I pray, God, that, that first, Lord, we embrace the real need, not for us to pray because we finally earn your attention. It's not that at all. We are in a warfare and you have delivered us through your son, Jesus Christ. But the warfare is real. It's trying to destroy us, Father. It's trying to destroy our homes. It's trying to destroy our families. It's trying to destroy the world around us. And it attacks us as individuals every day. But in the name of Jesus Christ, we will once again proclaim that we are free through Jesus. We once again proclaim that we are sinners, but we're saved by grace. And we stand here this morning, Lord, making a commitment to you, Lord, to to rebuild and live a relationship where we're speaking to our Father as your children. God, I pray that you touch hearts today. I pray, God, that you would speak to us today in a powerful way, Lord. I pray for families to be changed in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for businesses. I pray for leaders. I pray for teachers. I pray for students. I I pray for the families, Lord, in our church. But God, I I just know that as you begin to move in our church, it becomes like a stream that becomes a river that becomes rapids. And lives are touched all around us. That's what I see, Father. I pray for this in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com slash connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.